Huge losses mean big changes coming up for Walt Disney World, and a major leak out of Universal Japan has given us all a bright ray of hope. That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James, and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave, where he's actually considering spending that $30 to see Mulan on Disney+. Plus. The man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. It's hot! Each and every week, we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news happenings and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. Henry, what if I were to tell you, dude, that we are already into the second week of August? Which is, I mean, that by itself is just crazy, but that also means that the Disneyland Resort, our home park, has been closed down for about five months right now and counting. How insane is that? It's crazy. I mean, time has been flying, but it has not been flying. <laughs> it, it's right. Exactly. It's like you're, you're in this time vortex where it both feels like forever and instantaneous all at the same time. But I just remember going back to when these closures were first, you know, announced and talked about. And, you know, the biggest kind of question we had, obviously, other than, well, how many weeks or maybe months are these parks going to be closed? But also, like, just like the the funny story about, you know, Disneyland still charging people for their uh, for their monthly bills, for their annual passports, if they were paying by the month. Uh and, you know, eventually deciding after after people were freaking out about the fact that they were still being charged, rightfully so, but that they were uh, they were changing their minds because of the public reaction. Like that was it feels like such a simpler time where maybe we were looking forward and being like, you know, a couple months sucks, dude. Uh, obviously, I would imagine that they wouldn't still be charging people at this point. But uh, but, yeah, it was just like we weren't even thinking about that this could be five, six, seven. I mean, reading those rumors or, or you know, those political analysts or, or um, reading those financial analysts that were saying that potentially the parks could be closed until 2021 sounded like, you know, the worst hot take imaginable. Now it sounds like it, it, it it's very reasonable <laughs> to believe, right? Yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, at one point, we were looking forward to, like, when the parks reopen. Now we're looking at if the parks reopen this year at all. Or, I mean, at least for Disneyland. So it's yeah. it's it's a whole lot different uh, mindset, I guess, has changed for us. So it was, it was at one point there was hope, and now that hope has kind of been dwindling even further. Uh, yeah. So. Well, what do you think, man? So we are beginning of August, getting close to the middle of August actually here, but still in that first half of August, let's say, um, if you were to place a bet on if the parks were going to be open this year, the California parks, would you say that they were going to remain closed and open in 2021 or that they will still, you still feel like there's a better chance that they will actually open up? 
at this point, I have no like, no real like uh, hope that this is actually going to happen. I think, well, more than likely, uh, I know they want to reopen. I want them to reopen, but with how people have been treating uh, this uh, the virus and whatnot, I don't think we're going to get to that point this year. But I mean. I'm still, there's still a little part in me that, that hopes it's going to happen, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to realize that, that it may be a pipe dream for this year. It, it, totally. I mean, it, it is like you would be, I feel like you would be nuts to suggest that you felt very strongly that the parks were going to be open this year because, you know, we just don't have that much time left. <laughs> we're already, you know, getting deeper into that. I mean, even though we're still technically early in the first part of the second half of the year, uh, I'm sure there's a better way of saying that. But, you know, it's not like we're deep into the second half yet. But when you start thinking about the timing of everything, they're obviously going to need some time to start getting cast members in and retraining and kind of getting everything moving and getting people excited about coming to the parks. Um, You know, Disney World had a couple of months there of lead up. So uh, theoretically, I guess you wouldn't need as much time because it's every other park, I guess now, except for Hong Kong, but just about every other park is open. So you at least have a blueprint in terms of what that looks like, but still you need that time to set up. So, you know, uh, it's just, it's just getting, it's getting shorter and shorter by each, uh, each passing month here. I will say the little hope, that I do have, there was a, there was some good news at least in terms of, you know, uh, specifically had the Henry Hall wheelhouse and that it was confirmed that, you know, Halloween, Halloween decorations were going to be showing up at Walt Disney world. So even though they're not doing Mickey's not so scary Halloween party, they are still bringing out the decorations. I know that was a big deal for you. So I mean, if if Disneyland is going to be open, it sounds like there will be decorations, or at least chances are, are high. Yeah, I mean that that was some good news, and I know a lot of people are, I'm sure, are excited to hear that they are going to have the Halloween decorations. But you know, of course, for like Disneyland, that's like there's still the if the park actually opens. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Park's got to be open first. Yeah. That's the unfortunate thing for us, but at least people in who go to uh Magic Kingdom, hopefully there's going to be still open. I mean, who knows what's happening there considering the the uh outbreak is still pretty much going full steam ahead in uh Florida, but uh uh Yeah. Like Hopefully, like people who go there will actually get to experience the uh, the Halloween decorations. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point for sure, man. I've definitely heard uh, a lot of different thoughts and opinions, and I mean, you know, at a certain point, it was definitely crazy to think, especially when they were really spiking hard in and around Florida in general. It was just kind of thinking, like, well, what's it going to take for them to to close this park again? And it seems like absence of like a major outbreak that's very clearly tied to 
Disney World or, or those parks or those resorts in general, doesn't sound like there's much <laughs> that would come up that is going to get them feeling like they need to reclose their park. So, you know, I guess maybe if that outbreak does happen and it's linked, then definitely. But, uh, but I, you know, I would still bet that they're probably going to roll with that park unless they absolutely have to close. So, I mean, we'll see, but, um, yeah, well, I mean, I guess the benefit of having a huge outbreak happening, it's harder to link it to Disney world. I mean, it's all, they've, they've all said that it's like, it's self-reporting anyway there. Right. So the chances of some guest being, you know, or you have kind of like a handful of guests maybe that have had that happen are, pretty uh you know unless there's some really active contact tracing that happens which sounds like across the board in in uh in uh in the u.s right now is maybe not happening as much as as it should perhaps um you know outside of some of that happening you're right it's it'd be very hard to actually even do that uh, that being said i've heard that the nba has been really good at keeping a wrap on their uh on their yeah uh players at least i mean i wouldn't say that the the players haven't been doing things that could put them at risk but it seems like if they are engaged in something that did they are like quarantining them and really like making sure that uh they don't have an outbreak that'll get uh the other players sick so i mean there is at least some at least it sounds like that is actually going well and that's at the magic kingdom so or in on the disney properties so yeah man if if only every park ticket included a uh, a rapid covid test before you entered the uh, gates then that would be great oh yeah <laughs> i think those guys in the nba are being tested like like crazy so uh you know yeah it uh but you're right i mean it's the the plan that the nba and disney came up with to keep everybody safe has been happening as far as we know up until now so you know it's good news totally for sure um you know i think they've they've got other problems associated with <laughs> you know covid and the guest flow but uh but we'll talk about that in a second as well but you know just this year in general you know is is such a such an insane year uh i think there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, we're going to look back on and just reflect on and think about not only how crazy it was, but, but you know, what, what about this year <laughs> outside of COVID? What about this year is, is notable? There's just, it seems like there's, there's a lot. And even in the, even in the theme park space, there's just tons. So, you know, obviously I think when Disney and Universal and uh, and just all theme parks in general are thinking about 2020. Certainly, it's going to be the year of COVID. It's going to be the year that it just tanked all of their uh, all of their revenue and just kind of guest confidence in general in the in the safety of the product. But you know, I I am curious what if anything is going to be thought of and and as as a positive effect of this you know whether it be health and safety or whether it be you know um park pass and you know capacity limits or um you know just better cleanliness throughout the parks just so certain things like that like do you think that there's anything that 
that people are going to start looking back on and think like, I guess that was that was a positive coming out of that. Or you think this is just the year of COVID and it's an it's an anomaly and uh, it's just kind of overlooked in general. Um, I think there are some positives. I don't think it's going to be necessarily thought of. Uh, I don't think people are going to be like, oh, I, I'm so glad. I mean, it, it, it's a positive coming out of this, but there's definitely some positives coming out of this as far as like we we've finally seen like the chinks in the armor of what where we're, uh, you know, the areas that need improvement. I mean, definitely in the parks, we need to have something in place to make sure that the, like the rides and, and uh, cleanliness and the hygiene, how like hygienic things are. And they've actually are put instituting things to make sure like, I mean, this doesn't go for like every park, but I imagine every park has, is doing something that is at least to make, uh, the park cleaner. Um, so that's going to be like a good thing coming out of this. Um, so, and, and then of course they'll have for the future, if something happens like this again, which more than likely it will, they will have a plan in place of what they need to do. So, Mm. uh, it doesn't take, you know, they don't have to relearn the wheel. They're learning now and they'll put these learnings in books so that they, or somewhere archive them for later. So when this stuff happens again, they can get up and running again faster and they know what to expect and they'll have a quicker response time for this stuff. So. Yeah, it's uh, the 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 hygiene of the park. Not that they were not that they were just like filthy places as much as there was just there's obviously a lot of germ exchange in general when you when you go to any kind of theme park and to a certain extent it's it's uh it's all part of the it's all part of the experience, right? There's you kind of go in recognizing that like, oh, there's been thousands of other people that have touched these kind of seat restraints or held these uh, security handles or put these kind of like shoulder strap, uh, shoulder bars above their heads. Like uh, that always comes into play. But yeah, I think you're totally spot on in terms of the the general hygiene. I mean, it, you forget that every so often there is some kind of much smaller outbreak, but something that goes down at the park. Like I remember, I know that for Disneyland specifically, they had that bout of like Legionnaire's disease not too long ago. They had that like meningitis outbreak not too long ago. So well, I thought they didn't, didn't they have like a measles outbreak? Oh, it was measles. You're right. Not meningitis. Yeah, measles. Good, good correction. Yeah. Which was odd because, you know, you think everybody is vaccinated for that, but uh, not so much the case. Well, you do, but (laughs) well, that's definitely true. But of course, you know, one of the uh, the concerns in a place like Disney is that you do have a lot of young kids that either a are immunocompromised or b just too young before you've given those vaccines. So, um, you know. It's just it's just one of those things that happens. So but yeah, I mean, it's any kind of additional cleaning, uh, even just the, you know, this thing that um, the security up the updated security measures they've been doing at the parks where they're 
at least at a few of them, it sounds like it hasn't rolled out everywhere yet. But, um, you know, Animal Kingdom, for instance, has the system set up where you just walk through. There's no actual contact with security people going through your bags. Um, it's just, I guess, they're able to scan through it and and just go, you know, you can go right on through unless there's something that sets off the scanner. But, um, you know, certain like small things like that sound great. I much would prefer that uh, even outside of COVID times than, you know, somebody physically going through my bag that has been through exactly. hundreds of other people's bags. Exactly. So I, I think the thing is that oh, I, I would like to say is that like, you know, Disneyland and California Adventure are very clean parks. You know, you don't see garbage all over the place. They, they, they're constantly cleaning. The bathrooms are, for totally. the most part, are very clean. But I mean, again, there it's the the unseen stuff that you don't think about. Of like you said, how many people are touching how uh, like the like the same handles. There's you know, so you don't think of all that until a case like this, till a virus outbreak. You know, so you so. Yeah. But yeah, not to say that there's like constantly garbage all over the place or whatnot like that. Uh, but yes, uh, they are doing more cleaning. Uh, and like you said, the security thing, that would be so awesome of not having them rifling through your your bag and stuff. Like, especially when you don't have <laughs> like much in the bag. It's like everything is like pretty much out in the open, but you have to go through and open every pocket so they can look into every pocket and it's like ah, oh, come on you know it's like opening up my uh my glasses kate so they can see my glasses are in there and it's like you know, <laughs> yeah because like, oh. i have uh my bag has like a million pockets but there's nothing in them but i still have to open every single one of them so it'd be great if they didn't have to do that well, you know why it's because your name is on the list because of that one time that you did that thing <laughs> yeah no <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, or just even even speeding up that uh that entryway to get through security is i think big because you know it it's always kind of a bummer if you're not there or it's, it's always kind of a bummer if you're there on crowded days and you know the longest line that uh that you're greeted with is at security it's you know once you get through that it's pretty much a, a straight through shot to get into the park but uh so even speeding up that is is i think a big improvement something i've been thinking about though just in terms of how this limited capacity has been working and and in listening to a lot of people that have gone through Disney World, talked about how different of an experience it is to go through the park as it's kind of in this lower capacity phase. Part of me got to wondering, like, is it possible that this kind of park pass reservation system sticks around in some way, shape, or form? Like, obviously, it's not going to be, you know, 20 or 30%. It's not going to be the low numbers that we're seeing right now, but, you know, and again, like I'm, I'm thinking from the guest experience standpoint, not from the business standpoint, but, you know, we've talked about it, Disneyland, and I know this is the case for Disney World as well, that like, it's not, it's such an uncomfortable experience to go when the parks are really crowded or on one of those heavily crowded days. 
it's just like it's miserable. Right. And again, like this is the case with Disney World, too, like their Fast Pass Plus system is crazy in that, you know, think about the fact that you're planning out the rides that you want and the slots that you, you know, and the times that you want to ride them up to like 60 days in advance. And for the more popular rides, Flight of Passage, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway right now, um, you know, there is a chance that if you don't, you know, if you're on the West Coast, you have to wake up at 4 a.m. to make these reservations 60 days in advance. There's a chance that if you don't do that, uh, that those Fast Pass Plus tickets are going to be taken. And, you know, if you're not rope dropping or waiting like two to three hours for that ride, there's a solid chance you just won't, you won't hit it. You won't be able to check it out. Uh, so at least from my perspective, man, that is such a negative park experience. And again, going back to this feedback that we're hearing from so many people that are at the parks now, it, it is like a pleasant experience. And of course, like everyone would love a five minute walk on basically for Flight of Passage or any of these super popular rides. But, you know, the idea of feeling like you can have a leisurely time at the park as opposed to rushing through, getting stressed out, trying to find these ride reservations that you can get, um, you know, and, and plan everything out months and months in advance. You know, if you could structure it in a way so that it's a little more calm and collected and, you know, of course, grass is always greener, but things are maybe how they were 20 years ago <laughs> where things weren't just as crazy as they are now. Um, like that would be a very positive experience. I don't, I don't know the logistics again, purely from a guest perspective. Like, do, do you, do you think there's any chance in the world that Disney looks at this and says like, yeah, managing capacity is maybe a way that we can improve that guest experience without, you know, going crazy on these big time rides that we have to build. Uh, well, I think, I think they do kind of want to do that, but I think at the same time, they also want to make money. And that's why we, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why we see these, like, you know, the, the, the ticket prices going up for like days that are, are peak compared to days that are non peak days. So I think as soon as they can get rid of the system, they'll get rid of the system. Um, while it is something that, you know, it's, it benefits the guest. It does not benefit Disney. So I don't think it's something that's going to stick around uh, after it's when they can get rid of it, especially with, you know, their latest uh, earnings <laughs> call. Uh, they want to make money. And I mean, ultimately that is their goal is to make money given uh, they need to make sure that guests are happy or guests aren't going to come, but we all know guests are still going to come if it's crowded. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, demand is not yeah, the issue. So I think, I think it something drastic would have to happen where they would do this, but uh, to keep it around, but I don't see that as something that's going to stick around as long as they can, but it is a system. I think they can call back on if, 
something happens later uh, where there's a different virus outbreak or whatnot. Again, this goes back to like their learnings um, and hopefully maybe they refine the system uh, this rest of this year and whatnot and into next year more likely uh, so that it's maybe a smoother system and, but um yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think that's, that is actually one of the benefits that people may actually look on and say that was good about all this stuff is that they were able to go to the park and it wasn't super crowded. Yeah. There's, there, there's your, your benefit for this year for the coronavirus. Yeah. I mean, it, um, and it does say something about kind of visiting the parks, at least in normal times, pre COVID where, uh, you know, if you weren't going there, I mean, you, you know, so you specifically talk about how you go to the Disney parks for quite a while when you visit specifically so that you don't feel like you have to rush. Right. Yeah. So I agree. Like that's the experience. So, I mean, you're, you're probably a hundred percent correct in saying that is the experience they want to generate with people, right? Like they build these parks so that people will stay longer. So, um, so I guess that makes sense. I, I, you know, I wish there was a way I know that, I know that, uh, Chapik has mentioned before, um, in, in an interview a while ago when people were talking about, I think he was initially talking about the part the, um, boarding pass process for, Rise of the Resistance, but he was talking about the fact that, you know, three-hour wait times for rides generally means it's not a good thing, generally means that there's something that they're not doing um, that they could have just handled better. And um, and so maybe that, I mean, maybe the future of Park Pass is just they take those learnings, like you said, and incorporate them into having more boarding pass systems um, I know that's something that's a rumor that's been going around. We've talked about that. That's with kind of Disneyland's virtual queue uh, system. And I think it showed up in Disney World's uh, app as well. But the possibility of something like that, I guess, would make sense. It's just, you know, it, like I said, it is, uh, it is, I think, a negative experience when the parks get super crowded. And so maybe, you know, like what you're saying, maybe it's just a matter of, Figuring out a way, obviously, at the end of the day, it comes down to dollars and cents, but maybe even figuring out a way to get people to pay a little bit more because that's what Disney's always able to do uh, through various means, you know, jacking up prices on tickets, on food, on merch, on everything, and maybe figuring out a way so that maybe they can reduce what their top capacity is because their top capacity sucks, man. Like, it is... So uncomfortable. I think even if I had paid full price for a single ticket day at Disneyland, I probably would leave by noon because it's like it is such an uncomfortable experience. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've been there, like I said, I've mentioned before, like we always seem to hit that uh, unholy trifecta where it's like kind of like you hit the because it's halloween so people are coming to check out the halloween decorations then it's like a holiday weekend with columbus day weekend and then the gay days at the same time so you actually wind up getting like we were there where the 
actual park was was above peak uh for like a regular peak and it it is kind of miserable but i think for us yeah. it's kind of like we understand what it's going to be like so we wind up uh that day i mean it depends on what you're going for and for us a lot of times we're not necessarily like we that's why we take that ex- that long time so i mean we get to ride the rides and whatnot throughout the week but there's times where we just like hang out and enjoy the atmosphere and whatnot and that's one of those days where we enjoy the atmosphere maybe do some shopping instead of like trying to get on doing a whole lot of rides um so i mean in that case it uh uh that's what you kind of have to do given i think the other part is if they did have a system where you got where you had a a much lighter crowd we definitely wouldn't have to take that extra time so our visit would be a lot shorter (laughs) so uh so but i mean i think the thing is is that yeah it's it's interesting like you're miserable but i know a lot of people still always make that trek uh, and stay in the park as long as they can. Because while for adults, yeah, it's a miserable experience. But for kids, that's just normal for them at that point. They probably don't even know any different any difference so they just want to be there so you wind up sticking around for your kids so I mean yeah it's miserable but you put up with it so and I mean at this point right now I think a lot of people maybe even myself included would take uh, a miserable day there than where we're at now which is no days right yeah well I mean it's 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 like pizza even bad pizza it's still pizza, <laughs> so it's still better than no pizza. Uh, so you know, you know, or we I always saw the the bumper sticker saying like a bad day fishing is still fishing. So it's true, man. As as long as that bad pizza doesn't give me Legionnaires' disease, then it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Well, I mean, dude. So speaking of miserable days and just general misery. We're getting a pretty clear idea in terms of how Disney's going to remember 2020. So they just had their Q3 earnings call last Tuesday, where they reported that the Parks Experience and Products Division alone lost $2 billion in that three-month stretch. That's brutal, man. And so just to be clear, that covers April, May, and June. So that's definitely peak park closure time frame. Uh, you think about like Shanghai didn't even open, which was Shanghai, the first park, didn't even open until late May. So, you know, that's still like, you know, you just have all of April with no parks open a good chunk of May with no parks open. And really, you know, these international uh, parks, both in uh, Shanghai and in Hong Kong, which were the first two to open, uh, that's not even, Disney's not taking 100% of revenue from those parks. It's a it's a shared entity. So, you know, they didn't really even start raking in any kind of money from parks until Disney World opened. So this is totally expected, but I, I think, potentially even worse than what people were uh, were thinking it might be. So, um, 
So, you know, while Disney World, their opening wasn't necessarily part of this quarter, uh, you know, we did have, they opened July 11th. Obviously, there were a lot of questions aimed at JPEG uh, in terms of just trying to get some financial details on how the opening of Walt Disney World has gone. I think that's the big question on everyone's mind is we, we get that things have been pretty rough. Like, how are things now? And so uh, you remember last week, Henry, we were we were hearing the news from Universal Orlando saying that they were going to adjust park hours and that they were actually like closing down rides. And we were also hearing from Disney World saying, well, we're we're pushing back some of the openings for our resort hotels. Uh, you and I were thinking like that's probably not a good sign or at least suggesting that maybe things aren't going quite to plan as one would hope. Um, and it turns out that that is the reason most likely. So, uh, um, so when asked about these attendance numbers that they've been having, Chapik did call out, they were experiencing numerous cancellations from out of state travelers specifically, um, as the COVID cases began to rise. Uh, and so because of this, that revenue that they're getting in from these parks being reopened um, is a little bit less than what they were experiencing. So I'm one of those out-of-staters that looked at the kind of situation, how things were going, and was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to risk it. So that's not surprising one bit that people don't necessarily want to travel to Florida right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense. You know, a lot of people are... I mean, it, not only is it like you know, the outbreak is, is a scary thing to have to fly into, but just traveling is, is more difficult. Uh, as you noted that like flights are being canceled. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to find the flight that's going to get you there. So it just becomes much more of a hassle. So I think people are just like, well, you know, I'm just tired of dealing with that. Not to mention, you know, people's funding for a trip are probably drying up as well. I mean, a lot of people are, are now, uh, I mean, still a lot of people are filing for unemployment as we've seen in the news. So, uh, things are pretty tough and thing and money is pretty tight all around. So, uh, it does not surprise me. <laughs> Plus it's like, there is so much construction going on at Disney world right now. And a lot of it, I mean, we know is still coming, right? We know that Tron Coaster is still coming. We know that Ratatouille is still coming. We know that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is still coming. So, you know, when you think about, well, or, or, or you're at least presented with that option of, do you want to take this risk flying out there knowing that you're paying the same for reduced experience, that at least is a lot of the, that kind of equation, right, already, um, and, or you could wait until things are maybe a little safer. Yeah. The parks might be kind of back to their normal crowd level that you're kind of used to anyway, if you've been going to the parks and all of these highly anticipated experiences that people have been looking forward to for so long, you're actually going to have a chance to check them out. Um, it, it makes a lot more sense why people would say, you know what? I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to see how things go. And then maybe I'll take the money that I set aside for this trip 
and apply it next year or apply it, you know, a year and a half from now, whenever. Um, so it's, it's just a much more compelling option, right? Over time, it's become a much more compelling option anyway. Oh yeah. I mean, like you said, people who, I mean, one of the, the one good thing, I guess that would come out of making the trip now is that you won't have to deal with the crowds. But like you said, a lot of people who've been going to Disneyland are used to the crowds. So, I mean, it's, it, it it's not really going to be a, a necessarily a factor that you know that's going to make them enough for them to to make that risk and and pay the money that may be tight at this point you know i mean given the crowds are low but then things aren't open so it's like it's it's, it's a hard uh you know this is probably something that's easier for them to kind of uh, come to terms with like skipping since, you know, yeah. the things that they're looking forward to aren't open. Right. I mean, it was already a challenging choice to make, especially if you were, uh, you had initially booked thinking like, Oh, this was just going to be a normal Disney uh, family vacation. So it was already a pretty challenging, you know, choice to make. Uh, but it's been made a lot easier as soon as we saw that spike in Florida. So uh, you know, something they called out. Clearly, they're seeing a, a revenue hit to that. Uh, interestingly enough, they are saying that around half of guests right now are locals, but half are coming from out of state. I'm guessing that that probably means like immediately out of state, not too far. Or, you know, I'm sure a lot of those numbers came from that initial opening period where you did have a lot of people that just were super pumped about it. Maybe they were premier pass holders or just maybe they were, you know, influencers or vloggers or press or I don't know how they're getting that number per se, but uh, I would be surprised at least if you were to look at now and then the next maybe month or two, if that's still 50-50, but I don't know. That's uh, Like I said, it seems, it seems crazy that half people are coming out of state. Still, I mean, I would imagine it's normally much lower local attendance that you're going to get. So, um, so anyway, yeah, man, that, that softer attendance also does mean that Disney world is going to be cutting their hours, just like universal Orlando starting on September 8th. So magic kingdom loses an hour and is now open until nine, uh, is now open from nine till six. Epcot loses two hours and is open now from 11 till seven, which is a big bummer because obviously there's a food and wine festival going on there. Um, seven seems pretty early to close or something like that. Uh, Hollywood studios loses an hour and is now open from 10 till seven. And the worst of all, man, animal kingdom loses two hours and is now open only from nine till 5 PM. Can you imagine paying full price? going only from nine till five that's pretty brutal but Oof. but that's that almost is that's almost uh the universal hollywood's uh normal hours when we go in october they are open from i think uh nine to six so yeah. and you've got a hustle to get everything done and that's a much much smaller park than most of these others so yeah <laughs> otherwise you miss well and i think 
Yeah. And I think Animal Kingdom is technically the largest theme park, but it's kind of with an asterisk because a lot of that space is used for kind of animal conservation and animal roaming areas. But, uh, you know, at least the word that we've been hearing from people that have been to Animal Kingdom right now, while capacity is still low, is that because all of the rides are pretty much walk on, like it is you're done in like half a day if you're only talking about rides. Obviously, you can still kind of take your time and go through some of the walkthrough attractions and still do some of the other activities. But generally speaking, you know, there's not a ton of like big time rides. It's not stuffed right now the way that like Hollywood Studios or Magic Kingdom is. So, yeah, I mean, I think that stings a lot less. Still, the idea of like park doesn't open until nine and it closes at five, like you're, and because you're not allowed to park hop right now, if you're going to animal kingdom for the day, at least after September 8th, dude, you're done. You're done for the day at 5 PM. That's uh, that's pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, as long as like, yeah, the, the crowds are at low capacity. Yeah. That, I mean, that's actually cool. Cause then you can kind of get your stuff done and then you can like relax and enjoy the uh the surroundings and and really enjoy the animals and in the uh pandora area so i mean you can really take things in and and absorb it and not be like frantically running around trying to get things done which is ideally what we enjoy doing is taking in all that uh the uh the park has to uh offer but i mean of course if it's not offered very much yeah well and think about this too man like especially again especially animal kingdom parks closing at five means you don't get to see pandora at nighttime which is supposed to be incredible like it's it's a big draw i mean most of these parks right now you know at least until daylight savings time kicks in again you know six o'clock seven o'clock five o'clock Sun's not set yet, dude. So you are purely in daytime experience for parks. You will not be experiencing these parks at nighttime. Oh, that that does suck. Because one of the things I do, one of the things I do enjoy is uh, is, is the Incredicoaster uh, at night. It's right. Is amazing. Only way so, to ride that. Um, yes. So yeah, that is that stings a little bit in that regard, but. You know, I mean, again, this is this is all playing into <laughs> this fact of like people aren't showing up. So they're, you know, with two billion dollars a quarter that you're losing. Yeah. You know, they're going to start to tighten things up, which they're doing. Um, even with this, though, Disney does say that they are still operating at a razor thin profit margin. So they're at least not in the red. Um, and this is all, uh, well, I shouldn't say this is all a big part of the reason for this. They're saying is that the people that are attending the parks right now, or at least in this quarter, uh, seemed to spend quite a bit more than what they had uh, or what they would usually expect in a normal quarter. Um, so the people that are there are definitely, you know, going to town on all their merch and food and whatnot. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like you've been gone for however many months that you've been gone from the parks. Uh, parks have been closed forever. And especially if you're used to going to the parks forever or if you have a vacation uh, planned or, or you know, that's been diverted and rescheduled and you finally made it back, maybe you're going to, you know, get a little more spend happy. Yeah, that and also like 
like you said, if you get through and you've been able to ride everything, you know, you have more time for shopping, which you probably didn't have time for before because you're trying to get on rides. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's the situation at Disney World right now, or at least the last three months. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves over time because it doesn't seem like things are getting better immediately. And, you know, so Q4 for them, this was Q3 earnings. So we'll be, well, you know, it goes through what, September? Yeah, it goes through September. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we're going to see major change up until then. Um, but I mean, I guess, I guess you do have the parks that are open, so you'll definitely see not as much of a revenue hit, but, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they're still going to, um, how that changes any more plans that they have going forward. Uh, yeah. Hopefully they don't get into a situation where they're closing more rides. Yeah. Well, I mean, you may not see as much of a hit, but you're also talking about peak season there yeah so true i mean it's it's kind of one of those things where yeah you're not you you're gonna probably have more money because like magic kingdom was open but also uh disneyland and california adventure aren't open during peak peak so it's kind of yeah. like it, i think it'll probably kind of even out to where they're definitely still losing for for sure i don't know in the end like if it's going to be much better than uh what the third quarter was but i mean it might be marginally better but i don't think by much yeah yeah that's a good point man like it's it's just i mean again this is just it's going to be a brutal year it's definitely not over um you know hopefully hopefully this is as bad as things get in terms of major changes that they make but we'll see decorations are there. So, you know, things are not going to get too bad. Yeah. Well, and so dude, finally, we are going to end things on a pretty spicy leak right now coming out of universal Japan, dude, that rumored Mario Kart dark ride. That'll be a, uh, a just a huge part of that opening, uh, of the upcoming super Nintendo world at universal Japan. Uh, it seems like it's real, dude. I mean, we've read about so many different, pieces around speculation and is it and isn't it and is that what's happening and and is it not is it something else that they're going to surprise us with uh surprise us with well apparently a company that was hired to develop the super nintendo world app and website for some reason posted an early promo video on vimeo uh, which of course was immediately snapped up by people around the internet and tweeted out uh, specifically by a user named Thomas Pussycat, uh, Nintendo and Universal, as you would imagine, uh, quickly and continuously have been scrubbing this video from existence. But of course, uh, not before tons of other users on the internet have screenshotted all of the key moments from it. Um, so again, though, none of this is officially confirmed but, uh, dude, you know what they do say? Where there's smoke, Henry is somewhere playing with a lighter again. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. <laughs> but really, dude, I mean, it uh, in going through the, the screenshots that are still up anyway, and some of the information that is there, we are given just a ton of clarity on what this ride is most likely 
going to be. Um, so at least from what I could kind of glean from, from all of this and, and what this, what, what, what all of these details include, um, it looks like not only is it going to be just a big e-ticket ride, but it's going to be interactive, which I know is, is big for you, Henry. You're big on these interactive rides. Yes, I definitely am big on interactive rides. Cause I mean, it gives you, I mean, they, they have kind of a drawback, but then, a. a uh, awesome thing to it like you keeps you coming back for more because but you do miss out on some of the visuals but that's something that gets you to come back anyway so it's an it's a it's taking the ride to another level yeah well dude i mean it that is definitely one way i would describe this ride right so um you know the website referred to it as koopa's challenge uh, listed that ride time at around five minutes which Puts it around that Radiator Springs test track kind of uh, time frame, so it's 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 definitely you know it's a, it's a meaty dark ride, which is always good times. The brief description that was included said, uh, "quote A number of courses full of surprises appear in front of you with the latest technology unique to the park." Um, and then the images that were, of course, these screenshots from this video that have been making their way around show that the ride vehicle is kind of a, a classic Mario Kart ride vehicle, um, or at least it has that look of a classic Mario Kart go-kart. Uh, and it has two rows, each row with two people in it. So it looks like each car, four people total. Um, each seat has their own individual steering wheel. So do these wheels do anything? Can riders actually control anything specific or are they just kind of cosmetic? Don't know. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see. But in all of these screenshots, these promo mock-ups that were included in this video, the, of course, riders were reacting very enthusiastically with their steering wheels. So um, that is an interesting thing. I don't even know how they would make that work. There are four people in a ride vehicle. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, that doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't really like make sense unless it's the the steering wheel isn't for steering per se, as it is for maybe uh, aiming something or maybe just for holding on. Yeah, the only thing I could think about that would kind of make sense and also be kind of like a fun element of the ride would be like it has some type of force feedback. Like if you do put your hands on that steering wheel, it kind of mimics the direction that, uh, you know, you're driving or at least the ride vehicle is driving. So you do feel some kind of feedback and, and you do kind of feel like the impact of, of the road. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think you, I would speculate you probably don't have control, but that you could feel just kind of the road itself. Yeah. That would be my guess. Or it would have like the trigger for your your Mario Kart uh, weapons. That yeah, you would use. I guess that's true, like boosts or something like that. Yeah. Because, I mean, speaking of, you know, those special abilities that are, are you know, a, a major part of Mario Kart, the game, uh, there is also an image of all four riders in the vehicles holding above their heads different color shells, and they look like they're getting ready to throw it. Uh, featured in this image, of course, and it's in a few other images too, but 
but uh, feature prominently are those kind of magic bands that we've we've seen a little bit about. They had that promo music video earlier in the year where they showed a little bit of how uh, those those elements or that magic band was going to help you interact with parts of the land itself. So it looks like there's some kind of technology where you know you um, or at least it's sensing that you know, you're sensing where your wrist is anyway, or where your hand is. And so that gives you the ability to throw shells. And, you know, it kind of lines up with a few of these rumors that we've heard about this being um, an AR ride, where there's kind of some visualization projected onto that, that you're seeing as a rider. None of these images had any kind of glasses or 3D glasses or AR glasses. So, I mean, the big question I had was like, how would we visualize that shell being pulled up over our head and thrown? I don't know. Maybe there isn't a visual for it other oh, that'd than be like, crazy. maybe it's just, maybe you, you have like, maybe there's something to show, Hey, you got a shell and then you just do the motion of throwing the shell. And then there's a visualization maybe on a screen or something around you, but you don't actually mm. see the shell in yeah. your hand per se. Yeah, it'll be the only thing I could think of is like if it's if it is if there's some yeah, like what you're saying, if you're projected on like the background screens or there's some camera that's tracking your magic band and obviously knows where your ride vehicle is so that it could project the um it could project the shells or whatever your item is into the world's background screen. I don't know. It sounds super complicated and complex, but I feel like, man, showing those images and at least the way that they're selling this, it would feel pretty hollow and kind of disappointing if you don't have some visual reference for what you're throwing. Yeah, agreed. But, but I don't, I think, you know, they're trying to sell you on an experience. And that's true. doesn't always necessarily like line up with what, actually is going to happen so good point and again these are early not official so who knows yeah they they may just be like giving you kind of a this is what we imagine this would be like and but you never know yeah maybe maybe they have something yeah well i mean it's it's always nice where there's still room here for us to be surprised so it's not, not everything is spoiled um uh, it does. I mean, this is a given for sure, but it does seem like there is some kind of racing element to it. So there is a screenshot um, that was posted that shows kind of like uh, shows one car of riders passing over a finish line with another car of riders like way in the background. So again, like channeling that Radiator Springs kind of competitive element, um, again, only makes sense in a Mario Kart game that I mean, you're racing. <laughs> That's the whole point of the, the game. So it would make sense that if you're going to have a Mario Kart experience, you have to have that element of competition. Yeah. I wonder if you, uh, one of the reasons they may actually have those uh, steering wheels is if you actually get hit by a shell from another car or something, if you do the spin, yeah, uh, which would slow you down. So you, you don't, uh, you know, beat that other team or whatever totally yeah i mean that would be the that's like the that's like the radiator springs 2.0 at that point right where it's like not only are you racing but the like the the elements and the items that you're picking up and throwing actually have 
an effect on the other car. So that would actually determine who would win, right? Like the team that uses their items most effectively is the team that chances are going to get the victory. Like in that sense, dude, that is, I love that idea. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, you want the experience of being in a Mario game. So you got to have, yeah, you need the whole thing. Dude. I mean, that's like, for you, that's like red meat for a, a starving silverback gorilla, dude. That is, that's what you're talking about. You dream of that. <laughs> I don't know if a silverback gorilla would be happy for red meat over something else, but maybe. Oh, you're, regardless <laughs> though, you're starving for this yeah. kind of stuff. I know you live for that competition, Henry. So this seems like it's oh, yeah, going to deliver. I love it every time I we uh, win at uh, Radiator Springs, so. Dude, I can't I can't wait to see you in this uh, little tiny Mario Kart racer. It's gonna be it's gonna be incredible. Um, apparently, apparently, people like to see me in little cars because that was a big deal of seeing me in uh, in the Rollick and Roadsters at uh, <laughs> and Luigi's Rollick and Roadsters is seeing me in those cars. The reality of the thought of you in a small vehicle definitely delivers. So um, I can definitely say that, but. Uh, and then finally, you know, the other thing that uh, that was shown off was just how detailed a lot of these background elements were to the ride. So, you know, it doesn't show a lot of scenes that seem like they would lend themselves well to physical sets that, of course, could be wrong. And again, they're really only like four or five screenshots. So this could just be like the biggest kind of most exciting moments or just a few kind of random elements, but they definitely look like they were, it was probably going to be screen focused um, with maybe some kind of use of physical practical sets. But my guess would be, it's going to be, it's going to be screen heavy. This is universal after all. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've gone all in on the screen elements, but uh, still, I mean, as long as the, you know, you're delivering on the experience. I mean, I've been impressed with what they did with uh, like the Harry Potter ride. So, you know, I think, I think it's going to be good. Yeah. Oh dude. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it, it's, it looks like there are definitely elements there that just haven't been done before. Right. Like, I mean, even the idea of when you, when you think about it being like radiator Springs 2.0, I'm all in, man. Like I, Radiator Springs is such a good ride that, uh, and there's so much to enjoy about it that, you know, if they just take that template of kind of that first half is kind of a slower, uh, kind of more traditional dark ride that then transitions into this competitive race, uh, dude, it sounds incredible. So everything we've seen so far about Super Mario World looks like it's going to deliver. So, I mean, we'll see. It's still listed, obviously, as... Uh, has uh, kind of postponed indefinitely at Japan. And I mean, again, with this, uh, with this Koopa's challenge ride, uh, you know, Universal hasn't said anything about this ride officially. Uh, they haven't said if it's going to open with Super Nintendo World, though it seems like it would have to. Um, uh, you know, they haven't said if it's coming to any of these other parks that Super Nintendo World is going to be in. Um so you just got to kind of take it with a grain of salt, but you know, you would have to imagine that, you know, if this is the e-ticket, attri- uh, if this is the e-ticket attraction that it's been rumored to be for so long, and that's going to be kind of the, the crown jewel of super Mario, or, sorry, super Nintendo world that, 
you know, they're going to take this to as many different locations and go as big with this as possible. Yeah, I agree. I think it's something that they're going to at least have. Because, I mean, besides, like, uh, you know, Super Mario Brothers, uh, the game, I mean, Mario Kart is is what, I mean, Nintendo is really, really known for Mario Kart. I mean, it's it's become huge over the years. So, I mean, I, I would hate to see, like, they wouldn't have that as, like, like kind of the the big e-ticket ride uh you might see something like a little bit different in like a smaller rides but i think i think that would be kind of the the big ride at that's kind of at all the the nintendo lands that they nintendo parks that they open up so it's safe to say that you are excited for this oh yeah yeah me too Before we sign off, Henry, I am legitimately curious. What is your thought on this $30 Mulan Disney Plus decision? (laughs) I think it's, um, I can see that it's going to kind of set a standard, uh, while uh, I think it's something that is going to become something that, a lot of companies follow suit with, but I don't like the idea of, I mean, they did say that you can, you're going to have access to it after it's not just necessarily like a rental, yeah. but you don't own it either. So if you let your Disney plus expire, you're not going to have access to that, to that Mulan anymore. So, right. Uh, and for, I guess a family of four, that's probably still a deal, but if you're less than a family of four, or at least, I guess, a family of three going at a prime weekend day, non-matinee uh, price, it's probably going to be about normal for you. But for like a family like me and my wife, that is not a deal. So uh, it is not something that we're considering at this point. What about, what about that made for TV Cinderella with Brandy and Whoopi Goldberg? Yeah, I'm not going to pay for that. (laughs) You're not getting, you're not forking over 30 for that? No. (laughs) Oh, man. No, but we did watch uh, Muppets Now. Oh, what'd you think? We saw both episodes. I think the second episode was better. Uh, Lori really enjoyed it. Oh, uh, uh, I do see what you mean about Kermit's voice. Like sometimes it feels okay, but in cer- certain moments he'll like get excited or something, and then, and then the Kermit voice really breaks, and that was a bit uh, annoying. Um, and the opening makes us f- made us both feel like we we're watching the the intro to the uh, animal actors, the universal anima- animal actors <laughs> right. uh, show where they have that like fake uh, thing. That, that's a little bit annoying, but I think the the rest of the show itself was, was, was enjoyable. Uh, we definitely had moments uh, in the first one, but the second one, the second episode felt a little bit better for both of us. Uh, it was uh Lori really liked the Swedish chef. So did I with having uh, Danny Trejo on it. Uh, 
felt that was the second episode yeah the second episode mm. they only have the two right now at least when we were just watching so um it was it was enjoyable all right you you so. know what you've convinced me i'm gonna go watch that second episode right now <laughs> That just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you like what you hear and want us to keep making content just like this, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, or hit that like button. This has been episode 28 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week. Stay healthy, everybody. Henry, you take care, big guy. I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, everybody stay cool. Bye.